Hello, and welcome to MindTap with Alternative Therapeutics. I'm Brittany. I'm Olivia. I'm Chase. And I'm Mary Beth. And today we're going to be talking about resilience, how it relates to PTSD, and how we might use it with our clients. Chase is our expert for the day, so we're just going to have a little conversation about resilience. Just define for us kind of what resilience is and how it relates to PTSD and, and how you've kind of been trained on what resilience is in, in clients. Okay. So in a, a very brief definition would be um, someone's ability to adapt, bounce back, deal with conflict or stress, and be able to maintain um, a window of tolerance to be able to manage their thoughts, their feelings, their behaviors, all that good stuff. Um, when it comes to PTSD, resiliency is really important because um, a lot of research is showing that resilience factors are a, one of the biggest components of how someone develops PTSD as a diagnosis and how other people who experience trauma don't mm -hmm. and what those factors relate to that person. Sure. Um, so a lot of the work that I've been trained on is through Mary Vicario. So shout out to her. So everything that I'm <laughs> talking about are things that I've learned from her. And then she's a neuroscience expert. So she gathers it from everybody around. Um, but a lot of what she talks about is, resiliency from a really specific study called, um, I forget the name of the study, but it's Valentine and Feinauer, the researchers. Mm -hmm. And they took these individuals who, were, who grew up in a cult where sexual abuse was very prevalent. And their main goal was to determine whether or not, or like what, what kept some from reliving that trauma and getting a PTSD diagnosis and what others, um, what impacted the others that didn't. Sure. Um, and they came up with five major factors that they lump into, like these are some of the general areas that people can develop or have resiliency. So these aren't the only five, but these are the five that I work with and I try to help clients with. Mm -hmm. So the first is voice choice and control or autonomy. So someone's ability to be able to... Um, know that they have a decision and they have a choice. They have control in their life. Um, a lot of times, like an example could be, so like a kid making sure that the kid has an option, right? Like you want the child to do something, but you're not telling them you're giving it a, a choice or an option of two or three things that they can try to do. So it's reminding them and reinforcing in their brain that they always have an option and a choice in their everyday decision making. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, second is self-esteem. And Mary Vicario breaks it down into a couple different categories. So there's a sense of self. So that would be um, your like knowing your interests and what you don't like, right? So the um, which is really important in terms of uh, knowing that you have options of like things that you like to do and knowing what you like to do. I a lot of times, especially with 
some of my work where I work with kids and people with developmental disabilities, they hold the things that they like so closely because they have to, once someone knows that they like it, then they have to earn it. So like, would you like to, like, for example, I love chocolate. Would I want to have to earn that every time that I... Oh, I never thought of that. So when we know what someone likes and what they don't like, and reminding them that it's safe for them to have that and they can voice that is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, self-efficacy is really, really important too. And that comes to um, them knowing that they can make changes. Like that their current environment can be different from, like the future can be different from their current environment. That's probably, that's like for me, I think is probably the biggest one. But Mirabit Cario doesn't, like she ranks them from like most, least important to most important. So voice choice and control is like maybe five. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem's four. This third one is external support. So that's what we would call coping skills. Um, this would be like, your imagination, things that you like to do, um, things that you do to pass time, things that you find meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the top two has to do with relationships. So number two would be affiliation or sense of belonging. So humans are hardwired for connection. Um, We literally get dopamine, like twice the amount of dopamine, like a double shot when we help someone else um, because we're so hardwired to want to connect with other people. We're pack animals in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we can help someone find a connection, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a physical one. It could be a support group. It could be something online. But just getting them connected to other people. Because what they do, what happens with our brain is when we know that we can extend ourselves like outside of ourselves, it really helps us with healing. And then the number one um, is positive, safe relationships with people with safe adults and safe adults in power because when especially with PTSD one of the major areas um, that people get impacted with is like control right control has been taken away from us yeah so when we can correlate and associate oh hey this person's safe they're in they have power they have authority and I feel safe with them that totally rewires how our brain works and how we connect with like what power is what safety is what control is Mm-hmm. And does that also relate to adults, the positive, safe relationships? Yeah. 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 So that's why a lot, of, that's why therapy works, mm. right? That's why, um, like you're coming to someone and you feel safe with them. That's that relationship, right? You're healing through that relationship. And then all the uh, uh, interventions are just like things that help take the edge off, trim the, you know, mm-hmm. leaves of that tree. Sure. Okay, so you've named the top five as far as Mary Vicario is con- mm-hmm. is concerned and what makes up resilience. Right. And as f- from what I understand, resilience is a factor that has been studied to prevent someone from like developing the diagnosis of PTSD. Is that right? Yeah, or it's, okay. it can also help like predict... Like when we develop resiliency in people, they're going to be more adaptive to say like if trauma happens, like mm-hmm. a traumatic event, that their their ability to be able to bounce back from that. Okay. So it not only helps connect with um, reducing PTSD, but it also helps predict like who is more likely to get PTSD versus other people. Okay. So mm-hmm. say that somebody has really low resiliency, mm-hmm. they experience a trauma, mm-hmm. they 
develop PTSD. Mm-hmm. So then what? Are they broken forever? No. Is it too no. late to develop resiliency then? That's the thing is resilience because of neuroplasticity and the way our brain. Now we know that we develop neurons, right? We can create new neural pathways. Um, all these things can be developed. It's just helping them find one, help them figure out like what their survival skills were, right? Like what helped them stay alive, what helped them get through whatever the hard time was and find the hidden resiliency piece to it. Cause generally probably all the time, if you really look hard enough, you can find all five of these and whatever survival skills the person used to get through whatever the hard time was. Okay. So then it's finding those and building upon them to help them get past the yeah. trauma. It's honoring them. It's reminding them that they're safe now. They don't need those anymore, right? Taking the the behavior away, I use air quotes, and really focusing on, like, what was that behavior for? What was the purpose? What was it needed for? What did we use this for? Can you give us an example of what you mean by a behavior after yeah. PTSD? Um, so I have, or I've worked with someone who... Um, had a developmental disability, and um, a lot of what she did was um, did, like, a lot of self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was saying, like, oh, she's doing it for attention. She's doing it. And I always hate that. This is kind of a side note. It's like, of course she's doing it for attention because everything we do is for attention, right? We need attention from other people. Yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> so, but a lot of times when we looked at what self-harm was doing, right, it kept her safe because perpetrators didn't come after her when she had all these cuts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She was viewed as gross. Mm-hmm. So when we take that and we look at, like, that was brave. That was so brave for you to be able to go to that limit, mm-hmm. to be able to protect yourself, to know that something else didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So what do we, where do we take this bravery and where do we use it other places? Wow. And a lot of what we did was we linked her up to a support group where she was able to tell her story of how she used this and what this happened and why she doesn't have to have it that mm-hmm. happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was passing that along and using, really honoring that bravery and courage that she had. And applying it in a healthier right. way. It's about associating, it's about taking whatever association you have and linking it to something more helpful and safe. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love the, you know, the question I asked about whether it's too late to d- develop resiliency and your answer is no neuroplasticity yeah. exists. We know yeah. this, that we have the ability to mm-hmm. you know, develop these skills. And mm-hmm. so that's really hopeful. That's awesome. Um, so how are some ways, I mean, you talked about the five different aspects of resilience mm-hmm. um, in a, in a practical way, how do you help to build on these areas with clients? Like if maybe you can give an example or something. Well, I think a lot of like what we do as counselors mm-hmm. can be fit into these categories. Like voice choice and control can be boundary setting and limits, right? Like self-esteem could be if we use that skill, boundaries and limits could be like, what are our boundaries and limits? What are we willing to accept? What are we not willing to accept? External supports could be like having someone that we can practice boundaries with, right? Having that connection and knowing that we have that affiliation and we're doing with a safe person so it like all fits so a lot of like whatever we're doing can be resiliency it's just like how we're doing it mm-hmm. does that answer your question mm-hmm. yeah definitely so do you think everybody has resilience yes yeah i was gonna say so it's like 
the resilience is there. It's just a matter of how it's used, whether right. it's like a healthy in a healthy way mm -hmm. or a non-healthy way. Right. So someone who is like super into resiliency, like that's like their main focus of therapy, they would look at all mental health symptoms as resiliency skills or survival skills. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just that, knowing that everybody has resilience is kind of a, I like that. Yeah, that's a kind of a mind twist, like to think of every mental health symptom mm -hmm. as a form of resiliency. Like it, it's, it is some, in some way mm -hmm. a survival skill that we're using. It just might be, not be the most healthy right. way, yeah. but it's still mm -hmm. serving a purpose. Yeah. So how do we kind of re-manipulate that and redirect that? Right. In a, right. In a it's like really direction. empowering, putting it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think that also can really serve to um, increase like self-compassion in the healing of PTSD like as they can look at themselves and say I used that for a purpose and mm -hmm. that was like you were saying your um, person you knew that was really brave of me mm -hmm. and so to apply that compassion to your past self even yeah. though you did some behavior that could be taboo or looked down upon or seen in some contexts as harmful or whatever. Um, but to look at your past self with compassion and say, mm -hmm. I use that for my survival. I fought for adaptation mm -hmm. and I used it to move past that. Yeah. It's really awesome. Mira Vicario, she has this method that she, she calls it reflect on or connect. So reflect would be like you're validating whatever emotion they're experiencing honoring is like thank you for letting me know or thank you for showing how intense this is for you and then connecting would be like what can we do with it or how do we connect this to safety right so what she's doing is she's honoring so she's validating whatever that feeling is right and then she's associating like what do we have to do for this feeling to associate to safety like what do we need like it we we can feel this we can feel whatever that emotion is because no emotions are bad. Mm -hmm. And then we link it to, okay, so this is how we're feeling it now. How do we link it to safety? Because it always goes back to safety. Yeah. Yeah, like as an example with like anger, mm -hmm. how is that keeping us safe? Well, it keeps people at bay. Right. You know, it keeps us autonomous. It keeps us like alone. Sure. Right? So that's yeah. potentially an example of. Mm -hmm. And then as you go through that, right, like what we know about anger is, right, it's a secondary emotion. Mm -hmm. So sec anger, and then there's usually sadness or ang anxiety, and under that's fear. Mm -hmm. right? So when we... Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Chase, for your expertise. I've, I have I feel like I've learned a lot. Yeah, me too. Awesome. I was like, feel like I'm just speechless because I'm just, I'm just taking in all this information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, like Mary Beth was saying, just the, the application of making this, like, what could be seen as weaknesses or issues, mental health concerns into positive and I really like that because yeah I mean that's kind of how I naturally work with people too is always mm -hmm. trying to reflect on the positive and mm -hmm. and you know pointing out strengths and not weaknesses type of thing so right very cool well thank you Chase no problem all right well thanks for listening today feel free to follow us on our social media alternative therapeutics on Facebook at alternative therapeutics on Instagram and tune in next time to, to figure out what we're going to talk about because that's when we're going to figure it out is next time. <laughs>
Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>